Djokovic is being deported from Australia. They held him at the airport for a while, and it looks like now he will not participate in the Australian Open. Crazy, crazy stuff. We'll touch on all of that. The Super Bowl, is it being moved? California extends its mask mandate till February 15th. Is it getting moved? Also, Antonio Brown has a meltdown in the third quarter against the Jets. He's still on the roster, surprisingly, right now as of Wednesday, 5.51 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. But what does that mean? Crazy stuff for Antonio Brown. Is his career over? Rodgers, clear MVP favorite, but some people are saying they won't vote for him because of all the stuff that went out in the offseason, his vaccination, stuff like that. Do you agree? Do you not agree? Chargers versus Raiders, last game of the season. Sunday Night Football in Vegas for the last playoff spot. Win and you're in for the Chargers and the Raiders. That's going to be a great matchup. We'll touch on that. Baker Mayfield has played his last game. He will have surgery on his shoulder. He won't play the last week of the season. Are the Browns going to keep him? Should they move on from him? How are they going to play this out? And Newcastle sign Trippier from Atletico Madrid starting the snowball effect. Who else will they get? What does this mean for Newcastle? Are they going to save themselves from relegation? All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Djokovic is sent back home from Australia. Yesterday, he posted this beautiful picture that said, um, I've spent fantastic quality time with my loved ones over the break, and today I'm heading down under with an exemption permission. Let's go 2022. And quickly, you know, I hit up my buddies that I talked tennis to about, and we're like, okay, you know, what does this mean? Um, Australia does have one of the harshest, strictest lockdowns, laws, rules, whatever you want to call it. They've been in lockdown for a while. They have one of the strictest rules, and good for them. They've had their cases down almost to zero for a while. They've had a good success with the pandemic. So, you know, they implemented these rules. They have border laws. And we basically looked at it. My homie was like, oh, um, basically, you know, we're going to lose hella views if Djokovic is not there. And I was like, oh, you know, we want whoever wins the 21st Grand Slam, breaks the record, breaks the tie of 20 to happen on our tournament. We were both being a little, like, you know, funny about it, a little cynical about it. Like, oh, basically insinuating, like, the only reason they let him go is because they want Djokovic to play the number one player in the world. They want history to happen in their tournament. And, you know, that's all good. Like, we kind of understood it. It's how the world works. We weren't surprised. Um, Jamie Murray commented on it. He said, I think if it was me that wasn't vaccinated, I wouldn't get the exemption. Which is, you know, I don't think I don't think anyone was like, damn, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Murray really thinks that about Djokovic? Like, really thinks that about the situation? Like, is that is that really what's going on? I don't think no one was really taken aback by that. Everybody kind of understood. Like, yeah. It's the number one player, you know, it's the way the world works. If you have notoriety, if you're successful, if you got money, if you got pull, uh, things are going to happen for you that won't happen for everybody else. So, uh, you know, everyone, these were natural reactions, both mine and my friends on the group chat when we saw that he was going to go to the Australian Open after a lot of speculation. Um, after Jamie Murray talked about it, you know, they they followed up the questions like, Oh, so you you think uh, this is not fair? You think uh, it's not like a they're not treating everyone the same? And then one of his uh, Great Britain teammates was like, "Oh, uh, we just hope that oh, we just have to trust that whoever did the whoever panel is doing these reviews, you know, he did get a proper medical exemption and blah blah blah." You know, just basically saying we hope the process was thorough and 
you know, he's not getting special treatment. And and that was pretty much it. I thought that was going to be it. I thought, obviously, there was going to be people thinking, like, of course, they're going to let him through. Like, um, he's Djokovic. He's the number one player. He's the reigning three-time defending champion. He's won it, what, nine times. Um, so it was like, it was like, okay, they're going to, they're going to, like, succumb to the pressure of letting Djokovic play. But that was not the end of it. Obviously, if you live in Australia, you probably feel way more stronger about this than just, you know, a fan from the U.S., a fan from, a fan from somewhere else in the world. You, if you live in Australia, you know, you've had to deal with these lockdowns. You've had to deal with the government telling you what to do, the government uh, implementing these harsh, strict laws, strict, um, you know, border rules, locking down the airports, locking down the borders, not letting people coming in, not even loved ones, not letting people come in to see like someone that's about to die. They're, they've been very harsh with their exceptions. So you, you kind of are like, okay, who cares about the other players? I mean, if you live in Australia, you're probably not thinking about the fairness of the tennis or like the fairness of other players. You're kind of thinking of it as the fairness as a civilian that lives there who who wishes they could have, you know, a friend or a family member come to the to Australia, go down go down under and uh you know visit Australia. And they don't they don't get this special treatment, they don't get the benefit of the doubt, they don't get this medical exemption that he got. So obviously there was a big backlash by Australians. Um it was a big thing. I went to sleep last night, you know, just thinking it was gonna wash over. Yeah, I kinda saw the backlash coming. Yeah, I saw players gonna talk about it, gonna give their comments. But today I woke up to the news that Djokovic was still in the airport. He was getting held overnight. They were reviewing his visa. They were reviewing <clears throat> if he was going to be allowed to play. And basically, uh, like you know, different reports were coming out. People were, were reporting on it, basically saying the longer he stayed at the airport, the least, the lesser and lesser his chances of staying in Australia were going to happen. It, it felt like it was just a matter of time, so they were going to kick him out, deport him. And that's what happened. It got reported that the government was uh, going to send him back. And they quote that he failed to provide appropriate evidence um, to justify his stay in Australia. So that's it, you guys. Djokovic is not going to participate in the Australian Open. He is not going to be able to stay in Australia because he is not vaccinated. You have to be double jabbed according to Australian rules. You have to be double vaccinated and, or meet a medical exemption. And some of those medical exemptions was like you got the first jab and you got a severe um, reaction to it. Or you have some medical condition, um, some some like um, mental health. You have some mental health condition where if you get jab, like it'll, it'll like really set you off. Or some other ones you got. Uh, I think if you were previously um, exposed to the vaccine, like if you if you caught it within the six last six months, then you would be good. Good, but apparently Djokovic did not meet any of these criteria, so he will be going home. And crazy, crazy stuff. I think everyone's talking about this. The number one player in the world getting deported from Australia. Um, him thinking that he was going to be good. So, uh, supposedly he got you know his medical exemption by two different panels. Even Australia tennis said it was good. I think. But once he got to the airport, he got turned back. They they looked over his visa and um, they basically came to the conclusion that it was not, you know, it was not a proper exemption and he had to go home. 
And that's crazy. There, there will be a new champion at the Australian Open. Although I have seen on Twitter and on Google when I was researching a little bit that he his lawyers are onto this and they will be trying to fight for him to stay in Australia because I believe he's staying in a quarantine hotel over the night or for a day and then he'll be getting on the plane to leave. So he does have his lawyers working on it for him to stay in Australia. I don't know how successful that would be. I don't think it's going to be successful in my opinion. He's not double jabbed. He doesn't meet the, the requirements. He will be sent home. So if he does get sent home, we will have a new champion in the Australian Open. <clears throat> I think uh, this is this is good. It's a hard court. It's a hard court court. It's a hard surface court. It's a hard surface tournament. So I think this bodes well for Zverev, for Medvedev. I, I, uh, if you're in a Nadal fan like myself, you know you might be getting excited now that Djokovic is out. I think there is. If you're in a Nadal fan. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike Djokovic by any means. I think he does have to follow the rules, and I could have seen this coming. I was kind of surprised when he posted that he was going to go. I, I didn't think he was going to play in the Australian Open. I will say this. If you're a Nadal fan, you shouldn't be too excited because of for this Australian Open, but for the fact that this now opens the doors for Nadal to be the first one out of the big three to get to 21, which in the grand scheme of things, it might not mean too much because Djokovic... Still is going to probably end up with the most. But I will say this. It looked like Djokovic, if he was going to play at the Australian Open, he would have probably gone to 21 at this point. He would have probably gone to 21 um, the first. And then I think Federer would have always um, been the first one to like 15, 16, 17, or 18, 19, 20. And then Djokovic and Nadal tied him at 20. And then... Basically, Nadal never got to have a moment in time where he was the he was at the at the top by himself um, in records of most Grand Slams. So, because he tied right now, they're all tied at twenty, but Nadal was never ahead of Federer. So, with him getting that twenty first, he won't get the Australian Open. I don't think Nadal. He's too rusty. It's not his surface. He doesn't. He historically he hasn't really won at the Australian Open. But the next. The next Grand Slam in the calendar is Roland Garros, is the French Open, and we all know Nadal's record there. So, obviously, Federer is not playing in the Australian Open. Now, Djokovic is not playing. Nadal is in it, but I don't think he will win it. They'll stick at 20, in my opinion. And then whoever gets to 21 will be playing at Roland Garros. So, that's a big advantage for Nadal. I think Nadal has a big chance now to be the first one to 21. For the first time in his career, he could be the the leader in the men's department for more Grand Slams ever. So if you're a Nadal fan, I don't think you should get too excited for Australian Open. Still a very long shot that Nadal wins that. But now with Roland Garros being next, I think Nadal has a chance to take the lead when uh, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are all tied at 20 now. But nevertheless, this is crazy, crazy news. The number one tennis player getting kicked out of Australia. It's breaking news. It's breaking the internet. It's crazy, crazy stuff. We'll see how it unfolds. If something new hap- if something new happens, I'll make sure to make a video about it, make a podcast about it. It's just crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, obviously, Djokovic is fighting it. It'll be great to see Djokovic play, but he's not jabbed. You know, he's he he brought this upon himself. So I don't feel too bad for the guy. He has a lot of money, and I think he'll be fine overall. But it's just crazy stuff, crazy, crazy stuff. Let me know what you guys think about this. 
is the Super Bowl going to get moved? California has extended its mask mandate from January 15th to February 15th, an extra month. If you're in California, you're used to these mask mandates being extended. California is known for, you know, being very on top of things when it comes to, um, you know, extending mask mandates, you know, being requiring vaccinations, requiring double vaccinations to get into venues. They've been very on top of that thing. They've been very strict about it. They've been, you know, we know how California is going to act. So if you live in California, this is not a surprise. But as far as football, as far as the NFL, as far as the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is scheduled to play on February 13th at SoFi Stadium. And this is problematic because I think the NFL does not want the Super Bowl being held in a place where there's restrictions, where fans are not free, especially when the last Super Bowl was in Tampa Bay. And we all know Florida is completely different than California. They're more open. They're more just like, you know what, do whatever you want. We'll figure it out. We won't figure it out. We won't do anything. We'll just, you know, everyone's everyone just make gets to make their own decisions and live with your consequences. Whatever side you, you like, you know, that's 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 for a different video. That's for a different uh, you know, discussion. But I think the Super Bowl being moved is a real possibility with this mass be, this mass mandate being extended. I don't think they will revert this. I don't think California will be like, oh, you know what? Uh, let's just let's just end it at the end of January. Let's just end it January thirty first. I think they've set this February fifteenth date. If anything, I could see this February fifteenth date being extended even further because cases are going crazy. Um, all the big cities here in California, L.A., San Diego, San Francisco, have seen a big jump in their COVID cases. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. They, California got to do what, what it thinks is right for, you know, as Californians. But I do think that the, I do. I will be crazy because I haven't heard of a Super Bowl being moved. But I do think it will end up being moved at, in, at the end of the day. Uh, I think they're looking at Jerry's World. They're looking at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Beautiful venue. I've never been there, but, you know, that's pretty much <clears throat> the stadium that changed the bar for all stadiums in the U.S., especially for football stadiums, NFL stadiums. Once Jerry's World got built, it was like, okay, if you're going to make a new stadium, you got to, like, this is what you're comparing yourself to. So if they change it there... Texas is known for being more open. They're not going to have a mask mandate. If you go there for the Super Bowl, you're gonna ha- you're gonna be able to be free. You're gonna be able to ha- like you know just enjoy your football and enjoy your Super Bowl and have a good time. Forget forget about COVID for a little bit. You know just you know have a beer. Not have to worry about having a mask. Not have to worry about all this other stuff. Maybe <laughs> maybe you you'll face the repercussions later. But I think for the NFL, for the for the Super Bowl, they want their fans to have a free experience, like you know, just relax, enjoy the Super Bowl. If there's an outbreak, there's an outbreak. So, what are other locations that you know they might be able to move to? You know, the Texans have a very nice stadium too. It's also in Texas, so that might be in the cards. Um, Miami. Or Vegas, I, th- I don't think they have mass mandates either. I'm pretty sure they they could go to other stadiums. But if they're looking at Jerry's World, if if Jerry has anything to say about it, I think th- if they're already looking at Jerry's World with the amazing venue, amazing facilities that they have in Arlington, Texas, we saw them in Hard Knocks, 
We saw that we've seen them in other videos. That those facilities, that stadium are amazing. Even their practice stadium is top of the line. It's probably better than a lot of the stadiums in other places of the world. So Jerry has definitely made invested a lot of money into his into his facilities, into his stadium to make it, you know, put it at the top of the line when stuff like this happens. If natural disaster, COVID, something were to happen where the original venue was not able to held hold the Super Bowl. I think Jerry's World is always, you know, the first one that you think of, okay, like where could we get a lot of people? Where could we pack? Where could we do all this stuff? I think I just don't think the NFL would really go anywhere else, especially when, you know, other stadiums are already scheduled for the next few years, Las Vegas and these other ones. Why not just give it to Jerry's Jerry's World AT&T Stadium? I think that's the most obvious answer and I think honestly if you if I was a betting man, I would say it is going to it is going to get moved. Mass mandate till February 15th, California being a little strict, Super Bowl, NFL, trying to have, you know, their fans have a good time. I could definitely see the Super Bowl being moved. But let me know what you guys think. Is, is this is this all just, you know, not a non-starter? You know, is it too late? We're already in January 5th. We're a month and a week away from the Super Bowl. Like, is it too late? Like, should we... Uh, should we just keep our flights, keep our hotels for the Super Bowl? If you're going to, if you already got your ticket, if you already have, you know, your vacation planned around the Super Bowl, is, do you gotta? Is it too late? It might, it might be a little too late, you know, a week, a week and seven, a week and seven days. I mean, a month and seven days, seven eight days till the Super Bowl. Um, we'll see how it goes. But if the Super Bowl gets moved, I think that'll be big news. Especially for the Rams and the Chargers, two teams that are, um, Rams are in the in the playoffs. Chargers they're gonna play against the Raiders. We'll touch about we'll talk about that in a little bit. Chargers versus um, Raiders. Chargers have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Um, they're gonna go as a wild card, so they won't host any of the games, but they will. You know, make the if they make the Super Bowl, they could be playing at home back to back years where that happens because Tampa Bay. Um, played at the Super Bowl at their home last year, and they won it. So we'll see. We'll see how the Rams games look in the playoffs. If they win the division, which I think they should this week, if the Rams beat the Niners, then they win the division, and, we'll, and maybe the NFL could could look at those Rams games and be like, okay, like are the fans having a good time? How is this going about? We'll see how how it happens. But I think there is a very good possibility that the Super Bowl does get moved. And that would be unfortunate because, you know, I have a lot of friends in L.A. I don't know if they're going, but I think it'll be a big spectacle. I knew I know when the when the Super Bowl was here in San Francisco or Santa Clara for the new Levi Stadium. I know that was a whole spectacle and that was great for the city. And it's it's, you you feel the buzz. You feel it's you feel that the Super Bowl is in town. So it would be great to have it in L.A. But if it's moved, then it's moved. And right as I was making this Antonio Brown video, Antonio Brown post on Instagram his statement on what happened in the incident on Sunday when the Bucks were playing the Jets. They were down 24 to 10 and Antonio Brown left the field, took off his jersey, his pads, his shirt, left the shirt list, his statement real quick. I'm going to try to read all of it real quick. First of all, I'd like to express my gratitude to the Bucks fans and my teammates. The Bucks helped me return to productive football after I had difficulties that could have ended my career. We worked together to resolve those difficulties, and I will always appreciate that. Being a part of a Super Bowl champion, 
team and then a contender is a dream come true. I made mistakes. I am working on myself and I have positive influence around me. But one thing I don't do is shy away from playing hard on the field. No one can accuse me of not giving it all every play. Because of my commitment to the game, I relented to pressure directly from my coach to play injured. Despite the pain, I suited up. The staff injected me with what I now know what a powerful and sometimes dangerous painkiller that the NFLPA has warned against us using. And I gave it my all for the team. I played until it was clear that I could not use my ankle to safely perform my playing responsibilities. On top of that, the pain was extreme. I took a seat on the sidelines and my coach came up to me very upset and shouted, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I told him, it's my ankle. But he knew that it was well documented and we had discussed it. He then ordered me to go to the field. I said, coach, I can't. He didn't call for medical attention. Instead, he shouted at me, you're done. While he ran his finger across his, his throat. Coach was telling me that if I didn't play hurt, then I was done with the bugs. I didn't quit. I was cut. I didn't walk away from my team, from my brothers. I was thrown out. Being fired on the sideline for having a painful injury was bad enough. Then came their spin. Coach denied on national television that we, that he knew about my ankle. That's 100% inaccurate. Not only did he know I had missed several games with the injury, he and I exchanged texts days before the game where he clearly acknowledged my injury. He obviously knew I was on the injury list and that... And the GM acknowledged after the game in text messages to my camp that I did tell coach about my ankle pain on Sunday. And then the second picture says, I know we were losing to the Jets and that was frustrating for all of us, but I could not make football plays on the ankle. Yes, I walked off the field, but there's a major difference between launching from the line and taking hits compared to jogging off the field with the rush of emotions going through your mind. I am reflecting on my reaction but there was a trigger. The trigger was someone telling me that I am not allowed to feel pain. I acknowledge my past, but my past does not make me a second-class citizen. My past does not forfeit my right to be heard when I am in pain. First they cut me, now they caged me. Instead of asking how I felt or getting to the bottom of it, the team texted my camp promoting a totally false narrative that I randomly acted out without any explanation. They even told us in writing, don't spin this any other way. I have stress, I have things I need to work on, but the worst part of this has been the Bucks' repeated effort to portray this as a random outburst. They are telling people that first I walked off, then I was cut. No, no, no. I was cut first, and then I went home. They threw me out like I was an animal and refused to wear, and I refused to wear their brand on my body, so I took that jersey off. As part of the ongoing cover-up, they are acting like I wasn't cut and now demanding that I see a doctor of their choice to examine my ankle. What they did not know until now is that on Monday morning I had an urgent MRI on my ankle. It shows broken bone fragments stuck in my ankle, the ligament torn from the bone and cartilage lost, which was beyond painful. You can't see the bone. You can see the bo- the bone bulging from the outside, but that must and can be repaired. The MRI has been read by two top orthopedic surgeons in New York City, including Dr. Martin O'Malley at Hospital of Special Surgery. Not realizing that I had already scheduled a surgery at HSS, the Bucks realized that I had already. Um, oh, and not realizing that I had already scheduled a surgery at HSS, the Bucks ordered me to, under penalty of discipline and with few hours' notice, to show up to a more junior doctor at HSS for another opinion. What a joke! They're playing like I wasn't cut, giving me a surprise attack order to show up to another doctor with no reasonable notice and setting this whole thing up as a basis to cut me because they did it on Sunday. Well, what they did on Sunday was not legitimate. Sorry, GM. 
I already received a confirming opinion from the top doc at the hospital. You ordered me to go. I love the back fan, the bug fans. I really do. I love the, my teammates and everyone who showed my grace, who showed me grace and believed in me. I gave the bugs everything I had on the field. When the organization is doing now needs to get cleaned up. I do not understand how people publicly claiming to be concerned about my mental health can do these things to me in private. Once my surgery is complete, I'll be back to 100% and looking forward to the next season. Business going to be booming. So that's the whole message. It's crazy, crazy stuff. I had already done a segment on this um, when I recorded my podcast episode. But now that this has been revealed by Antonio Brown, I had to cover this. I had to edit this. It's just crazy, crazy stuff. Honestly, everything that he's saying makes sense. Uh, I'm sorry that I, you know, mumbled some words or I wasn't getting it through. Uh, I do have an eye appointment tomorrow, so I'll be able to see uh, this picture on my laptop more clearly. But man, all this stuff honestly it makes it makes sense. I had already heard um, that that's what he was saying that on his camp or like his camp. That's what they were basically putting out there that his ankle was hurt. He had a bum ankle. And, you know, people are saying, well, you were doing, like, jumping jacks. You were jumping up and down. You were doing all this stuff. And that that's legitimate. That's, you know, people are going to use that to go against him. Like, how are you able to do that on a bum ankle? But, you know, that's, you know, a few a few jumps, a few jumping jacks, a few, you know, we've seen the memes with the pom-poms, a few cheerleader moves that he was doing on his way out. That's not the same as, you know, you know, trying to go the fastest you can, stopping on a dime, turning, doing all this stuff, doing all this stuff that makes Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, you know, being able to get out of routes so quickly, do these cuts, maneuver the the opposition. I saw a, a, a route he ran against the Panthers last week where he just had the guy like flipping his hips like three times in one route, which is just crazy. So all this stuff that makes Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, all this stuff he probably can't do on a bum ankle. But he could do a few little jumping jack cheerleader moves with the bum ankle. And if he did, in fact, get an MRI that shows all those bone fractures and all that stuff that says on the on the writing, I'll put the, the pictures up too. And I'll, I'll link the tweet of uh, Adam Schefter um, posting the pictures of what Antonio Brown said. So if you guys are on the podcast, just click on the link and you'll be able to see it. It's just, it's crazy, man. If, if everything is correct about Antonio Brown, and it seems like it makes sense. And he says he went to some doctors. If all those doctors agree with the MRI, and I mean, if, if the MRI ever gets released and all of that is right, then I think, man, Antonio Brown might, I might have to side with Antonio Brown. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, he could have had a more calm um, approach. Like, I don't know if anyone would have. If this was, would have been done to like a numerous amount of other people, I don't think they would have reacted the way he did. But he, anything we've known about Antonio Brown is he's very prideful. He, like he cares if he believes in something, he's gonna really like you know follow it through. But, like we've seen how serious he about he was about his helmet. So if you know they're treating him like he said like like an animal, then I guess his his actions are justified. If if Bruce Arians did you know run his finger across his throat and do all that stuff. Then you know it it would rub me or Antonio Brown the wrong way if if I'm hurt if I'm trying to you know I'm taking all these painkillers all this bad stuff for my health and I still can't go and you're trying to make me go out there that's you know I can see why he would be upset it's just crazy crazy stuff and Bruce Arians is is known for being you know a hot hot tempered dude he like that's one of the reasons 
that people like him too because he's so open and he's so like he doesn't he's cutthroat he doesn't you know watch his words he's super like honest he's super open and you know these these would be the you know the negative side of the coin if this is true you know he's so open he's so like cutthroat like he he could have been just being bruce arians telling him hey if you're not in there you're cut and it's just that's just how he talks but i could see how antonio brown would react to this crazy crazy stuff it's crazy that he hadn't been cut on wednesday my my main point um, from the original section of Antonio Brown on the podcast where just to talk about how he hadn't been cut on Wednesday, why they hadn't cut him, how he has camp has said that it was because of his ankle and which teams could potentially sign him. Now it looks that no team could sign him because his ankle is clearly fucked up. It says right here, um, once my surgery is complete, I'll be back to 100%. So that means meaning he is going to get surgery, meaning... You know he's not he's not going to be able to help anyone during the postseason. So I think the if anything he will get cut. He's this, he's not going to continue with the Bucks. This is the last of Antonio Brown with the Bucks. But this had, all of a sudden it has a whole different spin. All of a sudden, you know if this is true, then you know all those claims about CTE and stuff like that. I think that would go away. It, it would start to you know maybe he does have like a bipolar or some other personality you know thing that that makes him act up but this specific reason i think you know i could see how even like a reasonable man would act that way if you're hurt if you've been fighting to get back on the field and you tell him hey i can't go and they tell you that because you know you're antonio brown because of your history if you don't go out there you could basically leverage that antonio brown probably knew that they probably thought that antonio brown the bugs thought that antonio brown like was gonna always say yes because it, it felt like it's either the Bucks or no one because of his history. Like we're gonna no matter what you want to do, like even if you don't want to go out there, you're gonna go out there because if 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 you get cut from us, that's it. Like no one else is gonna give you a chance. And I think Antonio Brown called them on that bluff. He was like, "All right, you know what? If I don't get another chance, then it be what it is. But you guys are not gonna leverage that against me." That's what it kind of seems like, and I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense, like for the Bucks, for Bruce Arians, it, it, I could see how they would think that they could back Antonio Brown into a corner, basically to letting him know, like it's us or no one, you know, like we gave you this last chance. If if you if you fuck this up, then you're you know who's gonna give you another chance? So we could just keep pushing you and pushing you to your limits, because if if you don't do it, then you get cut by us, and then that's it. And Antonio Brown was like, you know what? It's not worth it. Or I'm gonna call you bluff. Let's see. We'll see if I can't find someone else. Like I'm done with you guys. It's just crazy, crazy stuff. We're definitely gonna get to the bottom of this. There's no way this doesn't play out. Th- those texts with Bruce Arians are gonna get leaked or they're gonna get released. Bruce Arians is gonna have to reply to this. The Bucks are gonna have to reply to this. Um, if that MRI comes out, if he does have surgery, it could be a bad look for the Bucks. But it's just. Crazy, crazy stuff on this Wednesday, January the 5th. We're five days in to the new uh, year, and this sports world is already crazy. We got Antonio Brown. We got Djokovic getting kicked out. So much stuff going on. But, you know, I had to edit this part because this is such breaking news that, you know, we had to get the latest breaking news. Antonio Brown just released this statement. I'm going to link it. I'm going to post the pictures on the video 
and I'll put the link for Adam Schefter's, um, you know, tweet where he posted pictures himself too. Crazy, crazy stuff. Let me know in the comments or tweet at me, hard to handle sports, H2H sports underscore, and tell me what you think about this whole situation and crazy, crazy stuff. I can't wait till more information comes out. Hub Arkush. I don't know if you guys know who that is. I don't know if you hadn't heard his name before uh, January the 4th, 2022. But he made some noise. He said that I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the world and win the MVP. And he is one of the voters, one of the 50 voters that the Associated Press um, picks for the MVP, picks for the All-Pro. And he said that he thinks Aaron Rodgers is a jerk. He thinks he put the NFL in a he put the Packers in a bad position over because of um, how he behaved in the offseason, how he handled his vaccination status. And he basically said, I don't think the biggest jerk in the world could win the MVP. He let it all out. He, he expressed how he felt about Aaron Rodgers. And he said they asked him and he did respond that he had basically made his decision before the season started. So no matter what Aaron Rodgers did, he was not going to vote for him. There was no way Aaron Rodgers could win unanimous MVP because this guy had already made up his mind before the season started. Which is crazy to think about because Aaron Rodgers is the favorite for the MVP. Aaron Rodgers should win the MVP. If you guys, I think everyone kind of, most people have kind of, you know, accepted that or know that. Uh, even if you don't like him, even if you don't like the stuff that he said at the in the Pat McAfee show, or you don't like the guy, you're a Bears fan, Vikings fans, Lions fans, everyone kind of has agreed that he is the MVP. Like, if you look at his numbers, they're great. If you look at the team's record, it's great. Number one seed, wrapped it up before the season's over. All of that is just screams, smells of MVP. And I, I do believe he's the MVP. Um, I think he, I, I would vote for him if I had a vote. So just got to put that out there. And even Peyton Manning and Eli Manning talked, joked about it in the Manning cast. Um, Manning suggested that he should retire after this fourth MVP because, you know, he, that's that's good. Four MVPs is great. You know, walk off into the sunset, win the Super Bowl, fourth MVP. It'll be great to walk off into the sunset with his fourth MVP. And he said that sarcastically because Peyton Manning has a record for most MVPs in the NFL with five. So he basically was saying, you know, you don't have to catch up to me. Just, you know, get out of here. Go enjoy retirement. It was funny. It was a funny joke. It was a funny moment. But everyone has, you know, the Peyton Manning knows it. Everyone knows it. Rodgers is the overwhelming favorite to win MVP. And he should win MVP regardless of what this Arkish guy has to say. But this guy made his... Uh, made his mind up before the season started and although Aaron Rodgers is the overwhelming favorite for the MVP team has great record he has great numbers it, this is not like a, a season where Aaron Rodgers is you know lighting it up like we've never seen before his numbers are great but he's not the leader for touchdown he's not the leader for for yards he's not the leader in a lot of these statistics it's more as you know the eye test is there the Packers are probably the best team in the NFL right now they locked up the number one seed. All of those other stuff, scream MVP, and he's playing great. His numbers are not like the best, the best. He does have like the fewest interceptions to the most. He probably has the best touchdown to interception ratio, but he's not leading touchdowns. He's not leading, you know, yards. 
So just imagine if if Aaron Rodgers had made, had put an even better resume out there. If he had had an even better season. Like, let's say Aaron Rodgers was approaching Peyton Manning's touchdown records for the season. What if he was at, like, 53, 54 with three or four interceptions, five interceptions? He still wouldn't have voted for him? Like, how far was he willing to take this this guy? Like, if he made up his decision before the, the season started, how far was he willing to take this? Like, if Aaron Rodgers had beaten the touchdown record, let's just say he finished with 58 beats the the passing yards record 5500 5600 finishes even better record they're i think they're 13 and 3 right now let's just say he was 14 and 2 or 15 and 1 going into the last week would this guy still be holding that grudge against Aaron Rodgers and not giving it to him because of of you know the the conflict that he had with the with the Packers in the offseason and, you know, his vaccination status, all that stuff, he still wouldn't give it to him because that's that's how strongly he was voicing himself. That's how strongly he he was expressing himself. And it just seems like, okay, like how, how far will he go with this? And if he feels that strongly about uh, things outside of football, like is he made up? Is, does he deserve a vote? And I don't think he does. I think they should strip the vote for him and he should not be allowed to vote for – MVP and all pro and all those stats because they mean a lot. They mean a lot to these players. It means a lot to the fans. It means a lot to the NFL. That's how you get into Canton. That's how you get put in the all decade teams. And all of that stuff matters. All of that stuff matters. A lot of players like to say it doesn't matter, but it matters. And if you have a voter who's thinking this way, I don't think that's right for the players. So they should definitely revoke his vote. And today, obviously, after all the backlash, obviously, after everyone was talking about it, he comes out and he, you know, he retracts what he says. He backtracks. He apologizes to Aaron Rodgers. He puts he puts on his article. I'm, I'm sure he's going to make a decent amount of money from the clicks and the views that he got from this. People now know his name. Aaron Rodgers correctly calls him a bum. But it's just you can't have you can't have. MVP voters thinking this way. I think I don't think the premise necessarily is too bad. Like I, if if you think that way, I've heard people think about Aaron Rodgers, talk about Aaron Rodgers like that at the barbershop. I've heard other people say that. I've seen tweets about it. That's all good, man. That's all good. But you, they're not envy. They're not the voters for the MVP. It's fine for people to think that way. But when you're an MVP voter. You got to be more neutral. You got to be, you got to leave your biases aside. And the real kicker is that he's the, he's based in Chicago. He's a Chicago, Chicago writer. So obviously he has his biases. He's probably a Bears fan. He covers the Bears. Rogers owns the Bears. So, you know, this guy probably just has a lot of biases and grudges against Aaron Rodgers, but it is what it is. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't win unanimously, you know who didn't vote for him. And obviously, he backtracked. Um, but what do you guys think? Should, should this guy lose his vote? Uh, I really think he does. I, I don't think there's a place for this. You got to you gotta just vote on, you know, the on-the-field stuff. And extracurricular stuff does build into it. But it's more like, you know, um, how good does he make wide receivers? How good of a leader he is? All that other stuff. Not... 
not if he's you know fighting for a contract or if he wants to get traded because he's not happy. Like you know, Aaron Rodgers has the right to do that. And his vaccination status, if it would have cost him the number one seed, if it would have cost him a game, like you know, not making the playoffs, stuff like that, then I get it. But they're the number one seed. They locked it up before the season ended. Aaron Rodgers has been great. Yeah, he's thrown two interceptions in the last sixteen weeks. Like, come on, like he's the MVP and. You know, Arkish got his time in the limelight, and I think he'll probably pay for it if the NFL is, you know, fair or they know what they're doing. But just crazy, crazy stuff. A lot of a lot of breaking news stuff uh, this week. It's, it's been very entertaining being a sports fan. The Chargers and the Raiders got flexed into Sunday Night Football. They will be the last game of the season. It's a great rivalry. Chargers versus Raiders. No matter how good either team is, they usually play a great game. Both teams don't like each other. And that's what really makes this rivalry good. Chargers coming in at 9-7. Raiders coming in at 9-7. The 7th seed against the 8th seed. And it sets up beautifully in Las Vegas. A last game of the season. When the Raiders move to Las Vegas, they probably envision marquee games like this in their beautiful stadium with the club and everything in it. It's, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a great time. I wish I was going. I wish I was there to see it live. It's going to be a spectacle. And being played in that beautiful stadium. It's going to be amazing. After everything that the Raiders have gone through, for them to still be 9-7 with the chance to go to the playoffs, it's just ridiculous, man. You know, we had the Henry Ruggs stuff. We had the John Gruden stuff. We had the passing of um, the great John Madden, RIP, that they're probably still, you know, getting over. So a lot of stuff happened for the Raiders. And for them to show the guts and resilience and... You know, just all-around effort that they've put into the season. It's been great. They beat the Colts. The Colts, who were one of the hardest teams in the NFL. So props to the Raiders for getting that victory. Props for them for setting themselves up. Um, I think the Raiders being 9-7, and seven, playing for the playoffs in the last week, it's an accomplishment. For the Chargers, I believe it's kind of disappointing that they're they're still fighting for the playoffs' lives in the last game of the season. I thought that would be a little better than nine and seven. I thought that would be more along the eleven and five by now. I, I really like this Charger team going into the season. I thought Justin Herbert was gonna drastically improve their record from last year. Um, still, still not a bad season. Still, still good for them if they make the playoffs. But I think for the Chargers, it would be an utter disappointment to not make the playoffs. It would be a waste of a season. It would be. It would look bad for Staley, and it would. It would just. They were not hit any of their goals that they set before the season. For the Raiders, if they don't make the playoffs, it's kind of it's it's a different it's a different um you know it'll leave a different taste in their mouth. I know it'll be very disappointing if they don't make it on Sunday night. You know it'll be just distraught. It'll be just terrible in that locker room. But once they step back, I think they'll be able to look back at this season and say, "Damn, we really fought to the end." All the stuff that happened, even this week, another player got caught with the DUI. Uh, rookie safety I believe so just they've they've really dealt with a lot of adversity this season so even if they don't make the playoffs for the Raiders I think after a while they'll be able to look back and be like damn we got some dogs in this locker room we got some leaders I think they look at Derek Carr a little differently after this season being leader of man that he showed this season playing playing great not having Darren Waller for you know the latter part of the season losing Henry Ruggs and just stepping up keeping the Raiders afloat having a chance with the game 
with the last game of the season, <clears throat> I think the Raiders, after a while, they can look back and, you know, be like, okay, there's definitely some building blocks here. We learned about Derek Carr. We learned the defense improved towards the end. It's not all bad. For the Chargers, with all the expectations that they had, I think if they don't make it, it'll be an utter disappointment. But that being said, I do think the Chargers will win this game. The Chargers do have the better QB. Nothing against Derek Carr. He's had a great season, and he doesn't have the weapons that the Chargers have. But if you just look at the arm talent and just overall quarterback play, the Chargers have the better quarterback. But the Raiders will be at home. They'll be in their beautiful stadium, and, you know, they'll have the home field advantage. I have seen that the Raiders have not have the the home field advantage that they used to have when they were in Oakland and they were good because no one wanted to travel to Oakland. You know, some people did. Most people didn't. You know, Oakland, you know, I live in San Francisco. Oakland's a beautiful city and has a lot to offer, too. But, you know, there's that stigma around it that's dangerous. And most people weren't willing to take that chance. They weren't traveling to Oakland to, you know, support their team for the most part. It was the black hole. It was dangerous. You get beat up. Their fans were wild. And they definitely felt that home field advantage. Not to say that they don't feel it in Las Vegas, but Las Vegas, you know, it's a tourist city. Everyone is down to make that trans- make that trip to Vegas for the weekend. Like, let's do it. Let's go. Let's support. So it's, it's a little different. I have heard of teams taking over the Raiders Stadium, uh, making it their own. Maybe not as bad as the Chargers at SoFi, but I have seen, like, Tweets about reporters saying like, "Oh my God, the Bears! There's it's at least fifty fifty with the Bears or the Broncos. The Broncos have like thirty forty percent of the stadium. I don't think the Chargers will do that. I don't think the Chargers have that many fans that would travel, or they that's they're one of the teams that their fans don't travel as much. So I don't think the I do think the Raiders should be able to have that blackout that they're talking about. They should be able to fill the stadium and have you know most of their fans be there, but still." It's it's not the home field advantage that that the black hole was back in Oakland. So and the Chargers are used to playing on the road. Obviously, they have their eight nine road games a year now that we have seventeen games. But there a lot of their home games are even road games. Like we've all seen Justin Herbert or Philip Rivers back in the day last year or whenever he was playing with the Chargers, whether it be uh, whether it be. Uh, at the Qualcomm or um, at the StubHub Center or wherever they played. We've all seen the Chargers quarterback covering their ears playing at home because those opposing fans took over the stadium and uh, you can't hear anything even though you're home, which is crazy. So the Chargers, you know, they're battle-tested playing on the road. I don't think they'll be too intimidated playing away. So I think the Raiders will have the advantage there, but the Chargers have a lot of experience having a hostile environment. So, all I'm saying is going to be a great game. You got to watch, must watch TV. Darren Waller's back, or he should be back. So, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be an amazing game. It's going to be an amazing game. I can't wait to see it. Got a lot of Charger fans that I know. I got a lot of Raider fans that I know. Whew. It's going to be exciting, man. And I can't wait. It's going to be great. Last game of the season to wrap up this beautiful uh, crazy year that we've had of football playoffs around the corner like i'm i'm pumped i'm pumped for this last week of football i'm pumped to get these playoffs started and i'm pumped for this charger versus raiders game
Have we seen the end of Baker Mayfield with the Browns? He started 14 games this season, 60% completion, 17 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 3,010 yards in year four. Is that good? No. Is it terrible? No. Is it mediocre as fuck? Yes. It's very mediocre. It's very average to below average. It ain't terrible. It ain't disgustingly bad. But it's not good. It's not even above average. It's very mediocre to, you know, below average. Um, And he doesn't pass the eye test. You see Baker Mayfield play and... Obviously, he was hurt this year. Obviously, you know, he's dealing with some injuries. But a lot of quarterbacks are dealing with injuries. And, you know, they're getting through it. If, if you're healthy enough to play, you're healthy you're healthy enough to play at, at a good level. And Baker Mayfield has not shown it. He's been very up and down in his career. He's been up his, <clears throat> his rookie year, bad his second year, good his third year, bad his fourth year. He's been a roller coaster. And his highs... Haven't been that high. Like, even his first year, yeah, obviously he's a rookie. He breaks the touchdown record. But even then, I yeah, there was hype around him. First overall pick. I don't, actually, his rookie year was good. I don't want to take nothing away from his rookie year. His rookie year was good. Got to give it to him. Second year was bad. Terrible. Third year, good year. But I still didn't think he was, like, amazing. Even last year when I was watching him, I was like, okay, like, he's cool. He's he's checking the ball down a lot. He doesn't really force the ball. He's throwing some interceptions or some balls that should have been intercepted, but they weren't. His numbers look good. He kind of reminds last year. He kind of reminded me of like Carson Wentz this year. I hear all the people talking about oh he only has six interceptions. He only has seven interceptions this whole year. But if you look at the if you watch the games, and I do because one of my roommates is a Colts fan, and so I watch a lot of Colts games. Like. There's a lot of interceptions that the defense leaves out there. And that's kind of how I felt about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, the numbers look good, but the eye test is still like, okay, like, is this our franchise guy? And the Browns, I think, knew that too. That's why they didn't give him the extension. Or that's why they didn't give him top-of-the-line dollar this offseason. And he took a chance on himself, and it didn't pay out. And I think Baker Mayfield might want to get out of there too. He had that whole OBJ uh, situation. He's had, you know different coaches he's he he looks like he's a star like he wants to be a star you see him all those progressive commercials he's on the tv all the time he might want to go to like a bigger market i don't think cleveland fits him that well but you know for my for my take you know i I don't think he's the most athletic quarterback i think he thinks he's more athletic than he is (laughs) there's this video where he tries to high step some defense some defenders and he just looks very funny because he ain't fooling no one like what are you doing and uh his he, his decision making sometimes isn't the best. I, I do kind of like the guy. I, his commercials are pretty funny. Uh, he, I like I like him. I like him having all that confidence. But I just don't think he has the play to back it up. Maybe he goes to a different team. is, is a different story. But <clears throat> even the way players talk to him or players support other players. I was watching the Steeler game and the Steeler defenders were kind of like talking shit to him after they sacked him or after it plays. They were just yapping. They were just really, really getting in his face. And I was like, damn, obviously I see defenders, you know, talk shit and, you know, express their feelings towards the opposition. But it just really felt like the Steelers. It's a division game, so that might explain it. But it just felt like (laughs) 
there's some people that really don't like Baker Mayfield in the league. They 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 don't rate him highly, or for some reason they just don't like him. I also think that it was funny how when he had that feud with OBJ and OBJ, OBS um, senior, you know the senior's dad when he really when he shared that video. I felt it was funny how LeBron James took OBJ's side. Justin Jefferson took OBJ's side. There were other players that really showed their uh, whose whose side they were on. They were rooting for OBJ. So it was just, and no one really came out to defend Baker Mayfield. Not, no one from the Browns really was like, "Oh, you know, well, we're here with our quarterback. You know, this is our guy. Uh, we know that he makes you know the best decisions for the team or anything." It just seemed like there was a lot of, you know, support for OBJ and not too much support for Baker Mayfield. So for that reason, I could really see Baker Mayfield getting moved at the end of the season, going somewhere else. So I think this game, this Monday Night Football game, it might have been the last game for Baker Mayfield with the Browns. And it could have been the last game for, or it's definitely the last game for Big Ben at Heinz Field. But it also could have been the last game for Baker Mayfield with the Browns. Newcastle signed Trippier from Atletico Madrid, marking their first marquee signing since their new ownership, since that takeover of the team. They have been linked with other players. Samuel Umtiti is another player that's getting a lot of uh, rumors. He's part of the rumor mill of a, a player that Newcastle might go after from Barcelona. Aaron Ramsey's another name I'm hearing a lot from Juve on the loan to Newcastle. And I'm also hearing that they might even go for Bell from Real Madrid for 20 million pounds. All these signings sound interesting. I'm very excited. I think Newcastle is going to be the most busy team in this transfer window. We'll see how busy they get. But they already signed one, Kieran Trippier. They definitely got to make moves to stay in the top flight, to stay in the Premier League. They're currently 18th place, two points away from safety. So not too far, not too far from safety. If they if they're able to you know have a healthy influx of talent to this team, they should be able to stay in top flight, and and it starts with Korean Tipier. You know he's a great uh, right back that could play left back as we've seen with England. So it's a good signing. He's what 31, 32 years old. He's still got a lot to give. Um, he he played decent with Atletico Madrid. He's a, he helped them win La Liga last year. He made the trip to the Euros last year. So he's a good quality player, um, England international. Good to have England internationals when you play in England. It's always good to have national team players on your team. And if they're able to get Umtiti, maybe really shore up that defense, add Aaron Ramsey to that midfield. We'll see what Bell has if he's able to, <clears throat> you know, raise him, raise himself again to that level when he if he returns to England. He had a stint with uh, Tottenham, but it wasn't the best. And he was playing for Mourinho, a more defensive coach. So we'll see. We'll see who they, who they signed. But I think this is uh, Newcastle's. What we gotta look forward to this this uh, transfer market window. Newcastle. Uh, I'm since their takeover. This is what we've been waiting for. That first transfer market to see how big of a push they were gonna make. And I think Trippier is good. It's a good starting. I'm st- it's a good start point. I'm still, you know, waiting for that big splash. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think none of these moves are really big splashes. The one that's been linked. Umtiti would be nice. Aaron Ramsey would be cool. You know, 
Bell is probably the biggest name, but well, it's not the same Bell that we've all known throughout his career or, you know, at his peak. So we, we got to see if they make a big splash. I think <clears throat> maybe the big splash will come in the summer once, you know, they're saved and, you know, prospects could be assured that they'll have the whole full season to make, you know, their impact on this team. Now, with the uncertainty of the relegation, some players, some teams might not want to send their players there. But we'll see. I think Trippier is a good start. And if they're able to get one of these other players like Umtiti, you know, Aaron Ramsey, Bell, that would be good for them. That would be good for the league. I'm excited to see how this ends up one, two, three years from now. If um, if we look back and we're like, all right, Kieran Trippier, <clears throat> you were the start. Kind of like how Robinho my opinion, it was one of the starts to the city. A lot of people think it was Aguero, but Robinho was one of the first ones that got there. Obviously, Trippier is not that marquee name that Robinho was at the time. Maybe Bell will be that name for them. We'll see who it is, but I, I still don't think they've signed that player where two, three years from now, we look back and we're like, all right, that was the guy that helped them really make that transition. So I'm excited to see if they do it this transfer window, if they do it in the summer. It's just it's gonna be interesting to see. It's gonna be it's nice. It's interesting to see another big player in the transfer market. It's like you gotta think about all these other teams and Newcastle, even though they're in nineteenth place. But we just gotta keep an eye on it. It's it's fun to see Kieran Trippier there. We'll see who else they sign. But that should do it for the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast episode number eighty. If you made it to the end, thank you so much. <clears throat> As always. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their day and make sure to stay safe out there. COVID is going crazy. Wear your mask and do all that good stuff. Wash your hands. I'll see you here next time. My name is Ismael Zahuan. Have a great rest of your day.